Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah. Stop me. Stop me. Stop me. Uh. Once upon a time, the people pleaser and me would hold back. So God said this message is much bigger than rap. It's been happening for years, we've seen it across the map. The boomerang flow, me and Tom just brought it back. Uh. Preaching at people with no love. Stay What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter. Joined by a very special guest today, NFL Live Zone, former LSU Tiger, former Cowboy Marcus Spears himself. Marcus, how you doing today? I'm good, Will. Good to be with you, man. Looking forward to this, this combo. Yeah, no, it should be a good time. And, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar with Marcus already, I'm not sure why, but you can find him on Twitter and Instagram, uh, mspears96 on Twitter and Instagram, uh, NFL Live Weekdays on ESPN and get up as well. So uh, exciting times in the NFL, free agency, draft approaching. I'll get you started off with the, you know, the hottest topic in Jets world, um, you know, Sam versus drafting a quarterback. Where do you sit? I know it's a, it's a pretty big debate between Nina, you and and Dan weekdays. So how's, uh, how's that kind of working out for you? Oh man, listen, I, it's, it's no, I I think Sam should should stay, man. The competency, competency of that last coaching staff, I don't think you judge a quarterback on it. I, like, and, and look, I'm, people think I'm so hard on Adam Gates. I'm not hard on Adam Gates. I'm just evaluating the job that he did. Now, if somebody out there can tell me that he did a good job, and we can argue that point. Um, but I saw Sam Dorno go to the sideline and tell his coach, I see ghosts. That's not a player issue. You're, you, that means he was not prepared for the things that was going to come his way. Now, obviously, you hate the turnovers, right? That was one of the big things about him coming out of college. I saw Baker Mayfield be rehabilitated in the right situation. I've seen Josh Allen be rehabilitated with Brian Daybowl, that offensive coordinator. Um, I, I even saw Ryan Tannehill be in the MVP conversation for a few weeks, right? Because he is in the right system with Arthur Smith when he was the OC in Tennessee. So nobody can sell me that Sam Darnold can't be a good quarterback in this league. No one can sell that. Now, here's the caveat for me. If you think that Zach Wilson or Justin Fields is a significant upgrade, or you want to, quote unquote, reset the clock. First of all, this whole resetting the clock thing. If your quarterback sucked when you reset the clock, you ain't reset a damn thing. All you did was reset sucking. That's all you did. Yeah, so you don't get much better. It doesn't matter if you pay him or not. Right, right. So here's the thing with me, man. Sam, I don't think Sam has had a fair shake. 
That's really what it boils down to. People, people don't identify that he didn't play with most of his skill guys together at all last year. Um, along with a coaching staff, not having a run game. I thought Joe Douglas did a good job in that draft. He got Makai Beckton, who I think is going to be a stalwart tackle for a long time. So basically I'm saying all that to say, I would roll with Sam Darnold to, unless two things transpire. Unless that front office, Robert Salah, Joe Douglas, and LaFleur thinks that one of these QBs are way better than Sam. You got to think he way better because we're talking about the second pick of the draft, right? And then the other thing is if Russell Wilson not available, right? That like, you know, the, the, the assurance of knowing if Russell Wilson come here, we are significantly upgraded at every position because that's what he's going to do to everybody offensively. Sam should be the quarterback. They draft. They should draft either receiver or Penesul. Lock in that offensive line. Bunch of picks you can build. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love to hear that. Obviously, everyone that listens to the podcast knows I'm a I'm a Sam defender at, at heart, oh. and it's kind of hard for me to. Um, I'm a USC guy and a diehard Jets fan. It's really difficult to be unbiased, and uh, <laughs> so um, you know. But I, I agree with you in, in a lot of senses there. I think it's. I understand if they go quarterback, I think the resetting the clock thing is real. But again, like you mentioned, if you're going to reset the clock, you better get it right. Also, it has to be good too. It's just yes. having a rookie. I mean, look at Miami. I talked with Mike Clay about this uh, earlier last week, and he was like, um, you know, you can reset the clock, but if Tua stinks, it doesn't really matter if you reset the clock or not. You'll always um, be resetting the clock. Yeah, you're just going to be what the Jets one. have been since, I don't know, Chad Pennington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a long time and let me tell you this i play no no shade to chad pennington but when we went to play miami we were not worried about chad pennington you, the big arm he didn't have he didn't have he, josh allen's arm nah, uh, we weren't worried about anything <laughs> we weren't worried about that at all <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't uh lining up you know he wasn't lining up to do, for pro days to uh to see how far uh -uh. he could throw the ball uh, -uh. uh but in terms of you know some of the guys they've added look their roster obviously was not uh i think me and you both could have probably started at the, on the Jets at some point last year. Me, a receiver. I'm sure me and Chris Hogan have the same uh, level of speed at this point in my life. But um, defensive line's been an issue. They haven't really had a great edge rusher probably since – I would give Calvin Pace that he was a product, really productive, you know, 3-4 outside yeah. linebacker edge rusher. But really, John Abraham, 2004, Abraham. 2005, yeah. you know, area, maybe Sean Ellis. So – where do you do you like the Lawson, Vinny Curry additions? Like, do you think those guys can really produce, or do you think they still maybe need to add in the drafted edge? I would look. I would look in the draft, but I think they did. I think Carl Lawson's a hell of a football player, um, and I think Quentin Williams is a hell of a football player. Look, here's the thing, man. I, I want people to really understand this because when you start talking about D line play with me, I get it, it. I'm emotional. I get riled up. Look what Leonard Floyd did in L.A. this year when people thought he was a bust in Chicago. When you play with other good players, you are better, right? So Quentin Williams played on that D-line last year, and no offensive line was worried about any other guy on that D-line, right? So now you have Sheldon Rankins, you got Quentin, you have Carl Lawson, you got guys now that can work well together. And the, playing D-line is a lot like, everybody that knows me know I, knows I love basketball. Playing D-line is a lot like that, the thought process, right? You do this better, so you go here. 
this guy has a hard time blocking the moves that you use, so you rush over him. This guy has a hard time blocking your technique in the run game. Let's figure out a way to put you in a situation where you put them in conflict. I played with Wade, Wade um, and, and what Wade did was always found the matchup for DeMarcus Ware. Like who is going to be the guy we can exploit in this game? You got to have two or three good players to do it though. Like you can't have one guy, right? Aaron Donald. Everybody know damn well every game he going to get double teamed. But what you going to do with Michael Brockers? What you going to do with Leonard Floyd? What you Like all of these guys that's finding these one-on-ones, I think Quentin Williams can develop into that guy where, where offensive lines say, we got to make sure we take care of him. And then Carl Lawson ends up with one-on-ones or you have other guys. So that's how I look at it. That's why I like what they've done. Yeah, something that um, Austin Gale mentioned, too, is that Sheldon Rankins is such an underrated signing because of he was 2018. He like he calls himself like I, remember, I think he called himself the Steve Nash, Steph Curry type of guy on that D line. Yeah. I'm going to eat two or three blocks and I'm going to cause a pressure. But then you have a Trey Hendrickson who I think Trey Hendrickson's a nice player. I don't know that he's a 15 million dollar a year player, but he had, you know, 13, 14 sacks last year. But that's because you've got. The Rankins and Cam Jordans that are Cam Jordan, Davenport came back. Like you benefit from. Look, man, I got paid because of Demarcus Ware. I got paid because because we when we lined up on the same side, people was like, "Oh, don't worry about Spears. We got to figure out what we're gonna do with D Ware." So I end up with one on ones, and I end up getting paid because of that. So it 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 is like I said, man. When you play with LeBron, you get money. Right. And that don't mean you're the greatest player at that position or you're the greatest to do it or you even top five. I remember I'll never forget when Tristan Thompson was with Cleveland. I was literally just going to say, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I'm like, bro, Tristan Thompson would have got 40 million dollars if he played with the Raptors. You know what I'm saying? But he played with LeBron. He was allowed to do what he did because it was so much focus and attention. This is nothing new in sports either, right? Like this is this is old, this is age-old sport. Think about even, even the Jets when Rex was there. You don't think that Cromartie benefited from Rebus being on the other side or, or up front with Abraham or them beast of a linebacker when Bart Scott was there? Like it's, it's a lot of that that's been going on in the league. So the Jets, you try to create that within a roster. And then the other guy, I, th I think it's interesting too. The, the two guys, um, you know, I talk about this a lot of when your team's bad, you usually overrate the players in your own team. And it's natural as a fan or even as an analyst, if you cover the team, it's just difficult because you you kind of grasp for those. And um, do you think, I know you kind of mentioned Mackay back before. Yeah, Marcus May and Mackay back. And do you think they're, are they overrated by Jets fans? Or I almost feel like Beckton may be underrated and Marcus may be a little bit overrated. That's maybe, that's my take on that. Becton, Becton is not uh, ask ask one of these teams if they want to trade for him. You'll figure <laughs> out fast how overrated he is. It'll be it'll be a it'll be people knocking the door down to try to find you. You don't think Pat Mahomes would have loved to have him in the Super Bowl? Um, so so here's here's the thing, man. Marcus May, I think, is a hell, hell of a football player, but I, but but it's also, dude, it is so hard to evaluate when you suck. It's so hard to evaluate players, right? You, Especially safeties. It's so right? different than the rest of the defense. You always are under duress. You are always under duress. Safeties don't look as good when you don't have pass rush, 
right? Linebackers don't look as good when you don't have guys up front that can create space for them to run free. It all works hand to hand. So I think when you look at the Jets, here, here's what I think Jets fans need to be excited about. That team under that situation last year never quit. Put them in a situation, give them an opportunity to win. Give them an opportunity to win, and then you evaluate the players that can't get it done with that type of system that you built, and then you go out and find guys that can make that happen. Look at what Robert Salah did in San Francisco, man. That wasn't overnight. That was a system. That was guys being put in the right situation and allowing them to flourish, right? Joe Douglas, I think, is going to be a great drafter. Right. It, it looks good right now based on what he did last year. So let's find out. But I'm not like I've said about Sam Dorna a thousand times on NFL Live. Do not ask me to judge Sam Dorno based on being coached by Adam Gates. Don't ask me to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sit and evaluate the Jets on anything when it comes to winning or is this guy that, or is this guy this? What I saw was a bunch of guys, including Frank Gore, who's played a thousand years, playing hard and trying to win football games and actually winning a couple at the end of the season. Live in that space, and then we evaluate players once they have competent coaching and the, and the environment and culture is right around them. Yeah, something that I think people, Jets fans specifically, get oh, it's, you can't just blame Adam Gase. But it's like, you know what? You can, because if you actually look at how fast Brian Flores rebuilt Miami post-2018, fire Gase, they bring in Brian Flores, but they cut everybody on that team that was good. And they got better. They got better. They got better. And then two years later, they're a 10-win team. And oh. they win that week 17 in the playoffs. Look what Kevin Stefanski did this year. We were, real, we, we were trying to get the Browns to win one game two years ago. Two years ago, we wanted the Browns to win one game. I was ready to put Baker Mayfield in the Canadian Football League. That's how bad he looked, <laughs> right? You look at you look at what coaches have done. Look at coaches in this league. Dude, if you don't think that coaching is 65% of what's going on in the NFL, you're out of your mind, right? Like, and, and drafting. Like, look at, look at Beach in Kansas City. We're going to take Patrick Mahomes. We're going to use two years of Alex Smith, and then we're going to unleash it. And we're going to continue to build the team while we got this guy on the – it's not rocket science, bro. We see the, the, the separation in successful organizations and the ones that, that meander or the ones that are bad is the willingness to identify that this coach ain't getting it done. Like sometimes it's just time to move on and find somebody that can structure this thing the right way. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the biggest difference that people that love college football and love the NFL, the difference is, is and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but what I noticed playing and obviously played at a little bit different level than me, but, um, you know, coaching is important, but you can get away with huge, the most talented dudes, like most weeks, you're going to bash people. And that's just the way it is. Like Nick Saban's a great coach. He's the best coach of all time, probably, and all that stuff. But there's just dudes everywhere. Dudes. And, then, and other than those couple yes. of weeks, and then the NFL, it's kind of the, everyone's a dude. Like, there's no, like, you're not in the NFL by, by accident. So if you're not coached well, you're not like your scheme isn't right. I don't know. It's tough to win. It's really me, tough to win. I, I said this and people got so upset with me when I was, I worked at SEC network and I covered the Southeastern conference. 
And, and it's the best football in college, hands down. Not because it, it's the conference I cover. That's just what it is. Literally. No, I'll, I'll never – I'll admit it. The SEC is the best. I love the Pac-12, and it gets, it gets crapped on, but the SEC is the GOAT of college football. And, and here's what I'll say, because you made a great point about college. It's only three or four games a year where you can judge if you're good or not in college. The separation between 1 and 16 and 16 and 1 or 15 and 1 in the NFL – could be six fourth quarter drives. Like I'm real, like that's real. When I was in the league and playing, we could always go back Monday in a win or a loss and say these three or four plays changed the complexion of the game. Or these one or two turnovers was the reason we won or we lost a game. So that is why this, that is why football is the, the most popular sport because the degree of separation is so small, you get good games all the time. People scratch their head. How can the Jets uh, beat the Seahawks? Or how can the Cincinnati Bengals beat an 11 and one Steelers? Because the degree of separation ain't that much. Like we looking at records and we looking at, now in the NFL, you don't have a quarterback, you're gonna struggle. You don't have certain things. But the bottom line is, man, very rarely in the league do you see blowouts because the talent is pretty much equal. You have some guys, and we talk about them every single day, that are just uber talented. They're going to wear yellow jackets, and they, we're going to talk about them forever. Majority of NFL teams are comprised of really good football players. Even the ones that don't play a lot are good football players. Look at Trey, to your, to your point, we mentioned Trey Hendrickson. Mina Kimes, the only person that knew who the hell Trey Hendrickson was before the season started, right? Saints fans didn't even know who Trey Hendrickson was. So that is that is how this league can be. You can find roughs, you can find diamonds in the roughs. You can think you got diamonds and they suck. Like it's just a crapshoot, man. That's why you try to find and put together rosters and build cultures and get players that fit in that. And that's the way you have the most success. I mean, Trey Hendrickson's just the white dude with zero drip running around. So it's kind oh, of – Oh, zero drip. Zero I, drip, bro. That was funny. We were talking about uh, – like maybe a week ago, I was talking with Connor Rogers about this, and I was he was like, I got to be honest, aesthetically, like I have some stuff to get over if the Jets are going to make a move on this guy. <laughs> Luckily, Carl Lawson doesn't have – I will say problem. this, though. I will say this about Trey, okay? And I don't know if he's going to carry the same type of production, but that sucker can rush the pass. He can rush the quarterback. He has great technique. He's strong. And, and you can rush him on both sides of the, of the line. So we'll see if he were 50. But I definitely thought that he would end up with a with a big chunk of change based on watching him this year. You get, if you can play quarterback or you can rush the passer, you're going to get paid or, block, or play left tackle. But we'll transition a little bit from some of the Jets stuff because, you know, it's exciting, but there's also, you know, a lot to go on. We'll throw it back. We'll start LSU days. What's the most outside of playing at home? What's the best crowd? Um, what's like the best road game to go play? That's the most exciting get used to get you amped up to go play. Was it Bama or was it other games that got you more amped up? It was the Swamp. It was Florida. Um, they were really good too. And, and look, I know what I know the context. People think Bama now. Bama wasn't. We didn't think about Bama. No, they, Florida was a just, yeah. Florida was the. Florida was who you were shooting for, right? Georgia had some really good teams in, in my era. We actually had to – we played Georgia in the SEC championship. 
the year we went on to win national championship. But man, it it, it would have been in my era. It would have been Auburn with with Campbell and Cadillac and Roddy, um, and it would have been Georgia and it would Florida though. for the swamp. Didn't you pick Rex off? Vic Rex yeah. Grossman, yeah. yeah. And 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 I should have I should have stuck my foot in the ground and changed direction, but I gotta admit I was trying to run over. I know um, you could see it on you could see it on film. You were just like, I'm gonna injure this. Dude. I was lining him up. <laughs> I was trying to line him up. <laughs> and, and and to think Rex Grossman played in a Super Bowl. Again, that's pretty crazy to right one of the one of the worst quarterbacks to start a Super Bowl, but Absolutely. hey, you got there, and I, I, I didn't there. play in a Super Bowl. Nope, me neither. <laughs> I tried for nine years and never sniffed it. But yeah, man, it was uh, it was the swamp. The fans, crazy, obviously. Um, the atmosphere, how close you are uh, to the fans, and it's 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 loud, man. And and it's something about the Gators, man. They never think they're gonna lose a game. They never think they're gonna lose a game. So when they lose. It feels great, especially when you beat them in their house. One thing I was kind of curious about, we talk, you know, everyone talks about culture all the time. I've had some teammates I played with that went to the NFL and, you know, it's not, it's not the same thing. Um, how has it been in the locker room knowing a bunch of these, like how ready does it get you A for the NFL? And how did that, how different was the locker room at LSU versus in Dallas? Because a lot of those guys ended up in the NFL. I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but I was looking this morning just oh, to see it's fun. We had a bunch, man. Um, the difference in college is we all grinding to get there. So everybody's more impressionable. Everybody is willing to listen. Not everybody, but majority of the guys that have the goal, right? Um, we still got in our minds, I'm trying to take care of my family. We still got in our minds that this the lifelong dream has been to play on the big stage. I want to go in Super Bowls. I want TV deals, endorsements, along with playing really good football. All of that... All of that stuff is the big carrot when you're in college. That's incentivizing you to get up early and work out and do all of those things. In the league, the accountability to the guy next to you is more important than anything because now we're talking about livelihood. This is our job. This is how I pay my bills, and this is how you pay your bills. So the better I am, the better you are, right? And it took me about a year and a half to understand that, like, and, 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 and it's still fun. Like Sundays in the NFL are fun. It's a black, it, it's football, right? At its purest form. But the, but the week, the Monday through Friday, the Monday through Saturday, it's business, man. It's business. Like I would go, I would go get to the facility about 6 a.m. I'll leave the facility about 6 p.m. I get home, my wife, my kids kicking with them for a second and I'm in film. I'm watching more film. I'm trying to get ready because it's our livelihood. It's a different approach. And you know, you know, when you when you you become a grown man and you leave college from the parties and all of that, and you get into the real world, it's more on it. Now you add kids into the equation. Most guys are taking care of their families. Most guys are taking care of their moms and dads, extended family. So nobody's coming into an NFL locker room to play when it comes to football, like getting our job done. And winning is a big part of longevity and being able to stay. In college, we all enthused. We all trying to grind, right? Some guys, you can see the difference in guys that have kids in college and their approach compared to guys that don't have them and, and, and still on the mission to get to the league. So it's just a different mentality, man. I had to, 
And I was fortunate enough when I got drafted in Dallas, I was around a bunch of veterans. I was around a bunch of guys that had played really good football. Leroy Glover was there one time, the defensive MVP. Greg Ellis was a first round pick, balling out of his mind. Um, I played with Keyshawn Johnson, who was the first pick overall, right? Played for the first time. Right. So it's 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 the it 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 quickly to me, it quickly dawned on me. Oh, these dudes doing this because this they job, like this they family. That everything is on the line financially, right? So that's the different mindset. So once you get once you get to the point where you understand that, and then it re, it reverts back to let's have fun, play football, let's work out, let's laugh, let's joke. But we, when it's business, it's business. I guess last last thing on the like on LSU and getting to the NFL. Um, for me, I kind of had the realization I'm probably not going to be in the NFL probably freshman year of college, maybe two weeks into camp. I was like, all right, I can play, but I'm not whatever. When were you like, all right, like this isn't like I could really I'm not just like I could do that. Like this is going to happen yeah. was it high school. Or was it early in college? You're like, I could I'm I'm a dude like I got this. Man, I never thought about the NFL until my junior year in college, like never even. I knew about the league, obviously. It was a, you know, I was like, man, pe- people would say it like, dude, you big, you fast, you athletic, you you can play in the NFL. Yeah, right. I'm from bad, I'm from South Baton Rouge. We don't make it out of here. Like, was my thought, right? Um, and then you start getting recruited, you get your first letter, and that's a milestone. It's like, man, you know, um, Notre Dame want me to come take a visit. Like uh Bobby Bowden is gonna come to the house and recruit me. You, and you thinking about all of these figures. And the funny thing is, I didn't know a damn thing about Nick Saban. I had never watched a Michigan State college football game in my life. And he came into the living room and I was like, man, who the hell is this dude? I want to go to the school he coaching at. Happened to be LSU, worked out great. But um, I think, man, I, I just, I feel like when my junior year hit and I was a full-time starter on the D-line, and had made a bunch of plays. And we went on to win a national championship. And it was the first real question I got from Coach Saban about, are you going to leave or stay? And I was literally like, leave and go where? (laughs) Like, what you talking about? He was like, you have a late first round, early second round grade in the NFL. And I was like, what? And, and, And being broke as well, I was like, okay. So I called my mom and I was like, mom, I, I can go to the league this year. Um, but my mom was adamant and, and was right. She was like, we've been broke this long. I can be broke another year. Um, you know, go and enjoy college, experience your last year. And I needed to get better. I, it was it was still a lot of stuff I was raw at. I was still learning how to play defense. Because I don't know if people know, I came into college as the number one tight end in the country. So I hadn't really, I hadn't really focused on playing D-line and I hadn't been in that position for a long time. Um, but my junior year is when I realized, man, we walked out of the, we walked out of the Superdome after the national championship beating Oklahoma. And I I had a pick six in that game. And I started hearing about teams going to three fours. I heard I, I started hearing about, you know, you you'd be a great fit to be a D tackle, a three technique in the in a four-three scheme. And all of that. And then I was like, hmm. So I started doing my own research. And, and my research led me to say, I'm going to come back and try to go higher. I'm going to come back and try to be a for sure top 15, top 20 pick. And uh, fortunately, I just slid by. <laughs> I got, I was the 20th pick in the first round by hey, the Cowboys. You, so. you achieved the goal by the skin. Yeah. Of your teeth. 
Right? By, by staying, man. So for me, my junior year in college is when it got real uh, to me about the NFL. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, it's super interesting just to hear everybody kind of has that different realization, I feel like, depending on where you grew up, yeah. how you grew up, where you played, like certain kids' high schools that, you know, if you graduate from here, you're going to go to the league most likely, or other kids, it's like, I had, yeah. I didn't even know until I was... Bro, we had, bro, my high school had one weight bench, bro. Like, we had one weight bench, we had one bar, and we had one set of, uh, one set of bells, right? So it wasn't Southern University Lab School, which I love, which is my, my best time, excuse me, let me, which was my best time in school, we didn't have much. We just had a bunch of athletes that want that were hungry and wanted college scholarships. So we figured it out. But thinking about the league and the pros, man, that was that was so far away from where I was. That was such a fantasy and a dream um, that it never occurred to me that that was the road that I was taking. And and two, I wanted to go to the NBA. I wanted to play basketball. Like I was a top twenty-five player coming out of high school in basketball. And, and I really loved basketball more than I knew love football. And I knew more about basketball um, than I knew about football. But, you know, growing into 6'5", 305, eventually my body was like, bro, we Yeah, we're, way, we don't really have a choice anymore. You're going to do what God's telling you to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, it's interesting. Like, like I said, I think that stuff's super interesting and stuff like that. But obviously, you know, player making the transition in the media a lot of guys have had to do it um or not had to do i should say it's a it's a fun thing to do a what was the hardest part of kind of getting into that mindset like i think for me what i would assume is the hardest part is a lot of guys you either played with or have relationships with uh-huh. you have to talk through positives negatives it's kind of like people want to hear your opinion they want to hear takes is that part challenging and then what was maybe the most fun part of being able to you know talk about yeah. football every day when you're talking about guys, it's challenging, but if you're telling the truth, it's fine, right? Like, like players respect, respect that. We all can watch the film, you know? Uh, and, and I have great, I have good relationships with a lot of guys in the league. So they know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ever going to attack your, your character personally. I'm never going to, I'm never going to say that you need to be out of the league unless you're just doing some egregious foolishness. Um, but when you suck, I'm going to say you suck. Right. Like I wasn't the greatest football player. I wasn't I didn't make Pro Bowls and all pro and I'm not going to be a Hall of Famer, but I've been put 10,000 hours in. I know what they look like. I played with a lot of them, you know, so 
for me, man, it was it was not difficult. The transition from college to the pros was actually easier because I would never bash a college player. Like these kids trying to get to the league. They trying to take care of their family. So for me to speak negatively, I'll talk about game plans and, you know, this. he could have did this better and all of that. That's out of respect for the game. That's out of respect for being a former player. Understanding when you in college, man, you still figuring it out. Most of these guys coming from small high schools, they still don't even know how to play football yet. They just super athletes, right? Um, in the pros, though, you're supposed to know by that time. And when you don't know, and when you don't play well, that's why you're gonna hear you're gonna hear about it. <laughs> so it wasn't hard, but I think building relationships, guys knowing that you're telling the truth. And that's the one, my one foundation on television, speak truth and give, give my opinion. Don't give some formulated opinion that I think people don't like or a lot of people gonna agree with. Give my opinion based on my evaluation. And I explain this a lot of times. I'm not a reporter. I give an opinion about the story that the reporter breaks. So it's a whole different animal when it comes to what I do. That's why I can get on and argue and get loud and talk about these things because we all see sports differently. And if we don't have different views on the game or don't have different views, it becomes boring. We just could type it out and everybody just read that in the morning and then we'll go on to the next day. I get, I always get, uh, I don't know if I should say frustrated, but like even like Dan will tweet something or you'll say yeah. something and someone's like, oh, you suck. Or like everyone tweets the gif of Dan, you know, running out of that. I'm like, dude, you know how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL for 11 years? You know, D.O., First of all, dude is great. And he, it didn't bother him. It used to bother Because when you first get in this game, it can be harsh. It can be critical. And I, I would simply tell the old, you know, when people going crazy like that, just ask them how many years they played. I mean, it's simple. That's just like when people criticize me about TV and, and what I do and what I should do better or you shouldn't be, you're trying to be like Stephen A. I tell people all the time, well, start your own network. Yeah, Put somebody on there that you like listening to. Don't watch to. me then. Why are you following me? Yeah, we got YouTube, we got podcast, we got all this stuff. Go start your own platform, turn the TV off when I'm on the show, and you'll be fine. We'll never have, like, because I don't care about your opinion, right? And, and to be in this business, if you care about people's opinion, you won't have a job. You know, it's just, it's funny. Like, I just see that stuff all the time. And for me, it's like, I get it. And I'm, I'm nobody. No, and I'm, man. Like, I'm like, why are you commenting? Why do you care what I have to say? Who cares? Because Stop listening. And, and, and to, to, to you, man, you are nobody. Because when people hate on you, that ain't nothing but they want to do what you're doing. Like 99.9% .9 of the people that's hating on you, when they met you in person, they would ask you for advice on how to get in there. Like, I that 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 Seth, the other day, there's two dogs and they opened the gate and he was like, this is the Twitter haters coming at me and then they want my autograph. Then they want your autograph. That's how it goes. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. But, no, but no, for me, TV didn't change that for me. I really have never gave a damn about what people thought. So that was an easy transition for me. And that's why it's easy for me to go back and forth with people on Twitter and it never get personal. I don't care about, bro, nothing you eating going to make me boo-boo. Nothing, right? The, the job you going to not going to pay my bills. So it don't, that, that doesn't matter. Now, if my wife say, baby, you suck on TV, that's a different issue. <laughs> yeah, no, there's different types of criticism. There's certain people's criticism. You're like, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to listen to this. Like, I got to pay attention. Yeah. What do you, Um, I know, like off the field, on an off day, or, you know, now it's yeah. a little different, obviously, TV every day. 
What do you, uh, what's your go-to? Are you sitting down on the couch, opening, cracking a beer and a cigar and hanging with the kids? Are you, are you going fishing, hunting? What's your, what's your go-to? I'm fishing every chance I get. Uh, turkey season just opened here. I live in Northern Virginia now. So me and my son setting up a trip. Um, but I'm posted, man. My daughter is a, one of the top recruits in volleyball. She's only 14, but she's been recruited. She plays travel volleyball. So we follow her around. My son plays travel baseball and basketball. Bro, no football? Big, huh? No, no football. football. He got his mom's side of the family bill. So they tall and slender. And my wife played in the WNBA. So they they got more of her uh bill, which is great. Which is yeah, great, right? I take it. Yeah, my 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 lane led me straight to the trenches. <laughs> like they go at least play some sports where you you don't have to worry about getting your head bashed in. But now nah, man, that's that's it, man. Like I'm a big, I'm a big family guy, bro. And uh, when I'm home, though, like majority of the time when I'm home, if I'm not kicking it with my family, me and my son playing Fortnite, we getting doves. Fortnite, I'm I, see, I'm a video game guy, but I'm like, I'm a big soccer and like gotcha. baseball FIFA. and basketball guy for yeah, video yeah. games. Man, we play two K. Man hasn't man hasn't been great since like 2007, so yeah, a little disappointing. Sometimes I just like it gets, sometimes it gets so real where it's like, come on, man, like, it's not really like, as fun. Keep some of the, yeah, keep some of the keep some of the the cartoonish uh, things in it. Like my favorite game of all time when it comes to sports with Ken Griffin baseball. Like, that was the best game to me. Other people have different opinions, but for me, that was it. And take my ball. Yeah, no, it's just, it's funny. I, like, I always, we talk about, I talk about this, my brothers are, you know, like, I have a ton of brothers that I talk about all the time. Uh-huh. And, um, like, we all view, view differently, but we always all go, like, a four-person franchise more than that. We all create, you know, our own teams. Like, that's the fun part is, like, and being able to hang out and kind of remove yourself from the real world. I don't know that I really yeah. want to have, like, live stat updates. So that yeah. I'm basically playing, like, I'm going to play with the Jets, and I don't really want to play with the Jets because they suck. Like, it's not that fun. <laughs> it's like I'm playing with – I got to play – I want to make Sam Darnold good in, in Madden, and then I'm throwing it out, a five-yard out, and it's intercepted. If I would have had to play with the Cowboys last year, I would have had to start Ben DiNucci. So <laughs> The GOAT. It was, you know, the GOAT. So, listen, man, I'm – I Madden, I hadn't played in a long time. I got a couple – they sent me a few – um, and I got back on it, and, and now I'm starting to like. Now I'm getting that itch, and now uh, NCAA coming back. So that, that I'm excited of, for. The, that's, the that's road, that road to the Heisman or whatever it used to be, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm still. I, I gotta admit, man, I'm still a big Madden fan. I I still because Madden for me was once once you get to the league, and then you see your name on Madden, right? It's like damn, I'm on the game. Um, so it's always it's always gonna hold a special place in my heart just because I saw Spears on Madden for nine years, man. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, gotta be honest, it's pretty cool. In yeah. terms of uh, in terms of like the Cowboys, um, I know we you got to talk about them all the time, but I'm just kind of curious. A, do you think I think that that contract made a lot of sense? I think that yeah. you can't. And also, I think people are underestimating, and you know this better than most, but the cap's gonna shoot up again next year on um, that new TV deal and. If you don't think Jerry Jones knew that, um, I would suggest maybe taking your emotion out of it and understanding he's a pretty smart guy. To your point, man, like if you've ever seen me on television with Mina, because Mina is as good at, at cap breakdown as possible. Um, I, I don't I don't care about the cap. I mean, 
I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's real at this point. Bro, in my nine year experience in the NFL, the cap never stopped the team from getting the player they wanted. Like it did. I, I mean, it did. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember. How old are you? I'm 26, about to be 27. Okay, so you may remember this. Do you remember when Philly signed every all-pro pro bowler? Oh, in the, dream team. the dream team. And Mike Pose, it was the year after Mike Vick almost won MVP. After Mike Vick, exactly. Like, I was in the league. Small, I was playing. Deshaun. They brought everybody, bro. They brought the, the D-tackle from Green stuck. Bay. They brought everybody. I was playing for the Dallas Cowboys at that time, and I'm looking at the Eagles make these moves, and I'm like, damn. Are they about to, like, this might be the first Super Bowl that's ever bought. Because they put together a monster. That they ain't winning nothing. Roster. They went my friend. They went 4-12, right? Went 4-12. But, but what, what it was, was they were handing out all of these big contracts. And everybody was like, how they going to figure out the cap? What's the structure? How these, man, they going to figure it out. They going to figure it out. Like, like if, if somebody think these owners are going to hamstring their franchise by paying a guy that they that, that they don't think is going to turn out to be really good or they can't make moves, you, you, you don't think they watching the news? You don't think they know the cap numbers? You don't think that they figuring out structure? You don't think they paying somebody $700,000 a year to figure out how to make this work? Like Jason Light just re-signed 21 or 22 starters. For the, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We just saw what Bill Belichick did. We saw Jerry give Dak a contract and they still gonna sign players and be able to, the cap, the cap is a figment of people's imagination. I, I'm so happy you said it. I said, people are always like, what are you talking about? The Jets have 30 million, they have 40 million, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, the Saints have been in cap hell for two decades. And every year they're- well, I just, I, The other day I was like, the cap in more debt, I mean, the Saints in more debt than the United States. And they still signing players. They were $92 million over the cap and somehow yeah. signed players. And now, they, and now they got players, right? Now they, now they look good under the cap. Green Bay under the cap. You look at all of these teams, they figured out. That's the crazy thing that the Jets signed Carl Lawson three days later can restructure his contract in order to create cap space. Like to create cap space. Because all teams, like when, when people hear restructure, taking a pay cut is absolutely different. Like when you ask a player to take a pay cut, that's a different animal, right? We're dealing with something else. Marcus Mariota's situation. A restructure ain't nothing, but I'm going to give you $20 million now instead of paying you over the 17 weeks of the season. Yeah, restructure me. I was there with, 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 with yeah, I was there when Romo kept getting restructured to make sure the cap was right, right? And one time he was the highest paid quarterback. Um, they be like so they'll break news, right? They'd be like, Oh, the Cowboys have restructured Tony Romo's contract to to uh create more cap space and they signed Roy Williams at wide receiver, they brought in Tara Owens. All they did was gave him $20 million right now as opposed to paying him over the season. Like, Romo loved it. I wanted to restructure. I wasn't good enough to get a restructure. And ain't it a coincidence that all of the really good players get restructured? Yeah, exactly. Like, Aaron Rodgers is about to get restructured. He wanted yeah. Like, I don't think it's because he sucks. No, um, man. This is, they, this, it's the whole cap thing for me, man. Teams, like I said, and me and Mina had a fight, which was so funny. I said, Mina... They will figure it out. And then as soon as as soon as we had that conversation, a day or two later, Dak Prescott signs for 160. Um, Kansas City signs Tooney for $80 million. 
all of these people, don't nobody have no money until people need money. And then it, it magically appears. I was just curious. You just brought up two names. You brought up a couple names. The Cowboys teammates. Best trash talker between Keyshawn, who's my favorite player of all time, made me want to play football, so I'm biased. Yep. Theo, yourself. How, who was the best trash talker you ever played with NFL-wise? Because I feel like the Cowboys have had some pretty unique yeah. uh, trash if, talkers. If, if, if we just talking Cowboys, because my last year with the Ravens, Terrell Suggs, the greatest trash talk I ever played with. Watching him go at Skip is still one yeah, of the best like, ever. Like, it's not even, it's not even close. Like, Sizzle can talk noise and make you want to fight his whole family. That's, that's how much he can get under your skin. Um, I'd say, I'd say T.O., because uh, he knew he was the best, and he would let you know it all the time. Um, and you know how it is, defensive and offensive guys, especially in camp and stuff, they winning or we winning, it's, it's, it's flying around. But, you know, I, I had a little slick mouth too, man, as you can imagine, based on watching me on TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. I like, I always thought my allergies is going crazy, bro. So I, I keep blowing my nose and stuff. No, no, you're good. You're good. But last, we'll finish up with, we'll finish up with one basketball thing. I'm a, I'm probably one of the few only like I've been a Nets fan my whole life. Weirdly, I went to a Nets game when I was a kid. So I have the Kerry Kittles and Kenny yeah. Martin jerseys you know, sitting, sitting in the closet. Down. Yeah, so like I'm not a, I didn't come over when Brooklyn. You know, they went to Brooklyn, but um, I think they're gonna win the title this year. That's just because I'm biased. Obviously, I know you've been a Bron yeah. guy and and stuff like that. Do you still feel confident about the Lakers taking? You know, it's winning a chip, no, or you kind of? I don't. I don't. I, I think one of the biggest losses for the Lakers was Rajon Rondo. Um, now, obviously, I want to see him win because I want LeBron to win more. But I think the Nets, the, the Nets got to be the favorite, man. I mean, the only thing going to derail them is health. Like, you're not going to be uh, – we talking about a seven-game series against that? And Lord knows if they start playing – You have Bill Russell playing defense on these guys. It doesn't matter. Dude, it's, it's crazy. So – and then you bring in Blake who's going to be reinvigorated to, to play with these guys and win a championship. But KD, you know, KD to me is, is, is what Clyde Drexler was. Uh, we, we would think so much more of Clyde Drexler if Jordan wouldn't have been in his era, right? KD, same thing with LeBron. And KD has still figured out a way to carve out his own era. Um, James Harden is unstoppable. You can't stop him. You can't. I don't, you, it's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. Range unlimited, can get to the basket, big physical, can take the bumps. Kyrie is the most skilled player with the basketball I've ever seen outside of Pistol Pete old videos. Um, so, look, man, I, what are you going to do in seven games? Once they figure you out, it was just like when KD went to Golden State. What you going to do? Who you going to guard? Who you going to stop? Who you going to double team? What you going to do when Draymond run point? And it's Clay, Steph, and KD on the wing. Who are you going to close out to? Because it's not a you don't you need eight players to play against them like that. So that's where the Nets are to me. Health. The only thing gonna derail them is if they have issues with each other, and in the playoff stretch, and it becomes you know an infight situation, which I don't think all these guys seem committed to each other, or. LeBron beats them in the playoffs, and then there is no doubt that he is the greatest player to ever play. Because if you if you if you beat that Golden State Warriors team, 
and you beat the Nets with three Hall of Famers. Don't, I'm the conversation over. I haven't been talking about it much because I'm not going to approach it unless it happens. But I want to see the Lakers and the Nets in the finals. Obviously, I want LeBron to win. I don't think they are going to win because of what the Nets have. But I'm telling you right now, you're gonna have to have me back on if LeBron win that thing. Cause you're gonna you're gonna have to come back on no matter what. But no, I like I a bunch of my friends are all uh, Bron over Jordan guys, and I'm, I'm yeah. probably the one of the only Jordan. I like yeah. I moved LeBron to two now, and that's a that was a big step for me. I like stopped. <laughs> Kind of, I've I've had some hot takes like Duncan. Who'd you have at two? Kobe? I had Magic at two. Magic, gotcha. I had gotcha. I had LeBron pass him last year. I think he's already. I think he's. I think he was going to pass him no matter what. I just think that yeah. title kind of solidified it. Because I have, Duncan, I have Duncan and Kobe in the same man. conversation, which people hate, unfortunately. Yeah. Which I know. Yeah, I, look, Kobe's <laughs> Kobe. Kobe carved out his own niche, and he is one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, but Kobe to me was so similar to MJ that we never gave him a fair shot at being the greatest of all time. Yeah, um, just we, we just enjoy. We it's almost like we enjoyed the second act of Jordan through Kobe, um, and that's not disrespect because Kobe eventually became his own thing and his own you know R.I.P. to Beanie Man. But it 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 is for me, it's LeBron and MJ. I think they're on a totally different tier now. I think it's like there's the one, two, and even, you know, from a quarterback perspective, right? You could go through the whole thing. It's like there's that tier of receiver, there's that tier of pass yeah. rusher, like yeah. Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, like that's the conversation. And then it's like you go to JJ, the JJ Watts of the JJ world. Watson, and and yeah. like, it's just, it doesn't mean it's, a, it's not a disrespect thing. It's just like Jordan and LeBron are so much better than everybody else. They're so it's much like, better than everybody else. It's kind and, of insane. And in order to have a conversation about being the GOAT, they have to, you have to think that these guys would have performed the same way in those eras, right? LeBron, and, and two, the game probably wouldn't have been evolved enough. LeBron would have been a power forward in Jordan era. Think about that. Like when Magic was the point, People were like, this will never work. Like, you can't have a 6-9 point guard. Well, you can. And you can win a lot of championships with them because yeah, Magic did it. <laughs> and then when you had LeBron, a more, a, more, um, a more dynamic athlete, and the ability to – LeBron sees the game just like Magic when it comes to ball distribution, right? But he also adds – more weight, more jumping ability, more more scoring, more more defensive ability to go at one through five. Don't get me started, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no. I just think it's I mean, people are like, oh, Jordan could what didn't shoot threes. Like, you don't think he would have developed the three points? He would have developed the shot. Like, it's like, not, it's not, we're not going to do that. You don't shoot ninety percent from the line if you can't shoot. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I. We've uh, obviously really appreciate, you know, having you on. There's a lot of exciting stuff for the Jets and the NFL. And, yeah, man. Um, you know, obviously people maybe will enjoy the Jordan-LeBron thing. I know it gets everyone <laughs> fired up. But, um, you know, like I said, catching Marcus on NFL Live weekdays. He's on Get Up all the time, first take. You know, I know you got into a Stephen A a little bit yesterday, which was – Yeah, which was we had fun yesterday. It's all good. We fight a lot. 
Yeah, it's, it's what happens. It's what happens. And then um, you know, follow you on Twitter. I'm Spears96, Instagram, same thing. Um, yeah, no, and then you know, we'll uh hopefully we'll we'll have you on again, maybe post finals and see what happens, and we can yeah, yeah. podcast talking ball. I I bet I appreciate you having me, man. It's been great combo.